You're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about women's role in Christianity. And maybe a little bit about equality, too. Sounds great. Let's get started. Season two, episode two, Brad, and I uh, feel like we're just go ahead and diving in real deep here with this topic, um, it, mainly in part because people argue about this all the time, and also in part because we're two men trying to talk about women, and I think that that's an interesting potential way to look at it. Um, but nonetheless, it's a conversation that is important to have. The idea of whatever women's role in Christianity, in the church, in spiritual formation, in in the house, in the home, in in, in, in whatever, right? I mean, I, I think that it's a conversation that it has it either gets put off or it gets argued until someone just kind of gets tired and then they just they're just blah. Right. Well, I think this is a very important conversation, but I think, you know, it's going to be important to create a, a bit of a framework within to place this conversation. Yeah. Here's here's what I mean by that. Um, like, for one thing, I think if you're not an evangelical Christian and you're listening to this, some of the stuff that we're saying might sound a little crazy like so or even saying that oh this is something that people argue about or this is something um because you know if if i told you roman um i've started a business Mm -hmm. and in my business um i'm the ceo and Mm -hmm. uh in my business the the board of directors can only be men and the managers can only be men mm-hmm. and the middle managers can only be men yeah. and all the decision makers can only be men, mm-hmm. but we can have both men and women at the lowest employee level. Yeah. You would be like, they're putting you out of business. <laughs> yeah. And it probably wouldn't be run that well. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that, no, that's a good point too. <laughs> but my, my point is just that like in the, I'll say the real world in the world that most people live in when you're talking about women's roles, it's just kind of a, it's like a weird thing. And I, I want to say this too, that I think when we're talking about women's roles, we're not just talking about women's roles. We're talking about men's roles too. Yeah, absolutely. Because what we're really talking about in a patriarchal structure yeah. is we're talking about men relinquishing power mm-hmm. that they have held for years and generations and mm-hmm. millennia to women. Yeah. So you're really, you're not just talking about, okay, so how do we define what a woman could, should do or can do, but it's more like what sorts of power should stay only within the hands of men right? and what sorts of power should be shared equally. Right. So, well, I, okay. So, I mean, at you're listening at home. Why don't you take thirty? You can pause this. Take thirty seconds, and why don't you write down the ideas that or or the roles? It's in quotations, I guess. That you think 
you know, women should have or roles that, quote, men should have. Take 30 seconds, write it down. See, see what immediately comes to your head because I'm sure that maybe there there's a few that you know, maybe immediately come to mind and maybe, well, let's, and maybe to, to put a real fine point on it and to help people crystallize this, what limitations, because there's nobody out there arguing. Yeah. I don't think, you know, that men should be limited in what authority or power that they have. And we're going to, trust me, we're going to go to scripture and we're going to go to all that. But with women, if, if this is something that comes into your mind in a, in a church setting, in a Mm -hmm. spiritual setting, what ideas come to mind when you think of what limitations there should be mm-hmm. on women and their ability to, I don't know, have positions of authority, power to speak, yeah. to pray, to act, to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, don't if you're like writing in your car, don't pause and start writing stuff. Or down. close your eyes. Yeah. Don't close your eyes. Yeah, you wait. Wait till you know. And another another point. But I I, I don't know. I, I think that that is. Because I did this, I did this at my, I did this at home. I was like, okay, if this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to try this out, and it was amazing um, how quickly, just from experience, I was able to write down, you know, those limitations that I have just perceived or has happened or I have been a part of for women. And then, as far as limitations for men, in and this is this is just I'm, I'm specifically within. We're just going to go within the church right now. Um, there was like none. And I was like really trying really hard. And the most I could come up with was like, they're probably not that great in like the nursery. And that that was it. And I thought to myself, gross, like Roman, really? You, you, you claim to be a minister. You claim to, you know, teach individuals and, and, you know, from time to time, maybe a mentor. And yet, I mean, and, and and if I'm just being really honest, I don't necessarily struggle with the idea of, um, you know, women having more power. I don't really struggle with that. I think what I struggle with is what would happen if I said that out loud. Well, you probably also struggle with the fact that we have, there's teaching in scripture that, um, you know, there's a reason why in different Christian denominations in, in different religions. I mean, I plan to talk about, you know, some other religions today too, if that's okay. Sure. Um, that in different religions, women are not provided, you know, are not ordained or not provided, uh, with certain positions of authority or positions of power, at least in Christianity, it's because of teaching in scripture or examples from scripture. And so we're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with that head on. I guess one thing I want to definitely point out is that this this is an area the area of um, women's uh, rights women's equality this is an area where you know society is sort of operating like back to my example before about hey I started a company and only men are allowed to have positions of authority right right um, that society is at one place Mm-hmm. And the church is at a different place. And I'm saying the church at large, or there are large swaths of the, of the church. So, I mean, for instance, um, for instance, the Jewish Orthodox church or the church of Latter-day Saints, Mormons, or the Muslim church, the Southern Baptist convention, the Roman Catholic church, and then lots of evangelical Christians yeah. are at this place 
where women are not ordained, where women do not have authority roles as as bishops, as pastors, as elders, as shepherds. Um, but I, I do want to acknowledge there are a number of other areas within Christendom and other religions um, you know, it, where where women do have those roles. So there is a disconnect between society and the church. And, and so this is what I, I kind of want us to think about and maybe map out as we look at this, as we start to look at the scripture, starting right back at the Old Testament and moving through the New Testament. I want us to map out and to think about if there is a direction in scripture that we can identify. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to get to some specific scriptures and the ones in the New Testament, sort of the clobber passages that deal with with women and women's roles. But I want to see if there is a larger direction. I think everybody can agree, if you're looking at society as a whole, there has been a direction, right? Like there, there's been a direction yeah. over hundreds and thousands of years. But if we just focus in on the United States and we look at the past couple of hundred years, even the last hundred years, we can see a definite direction in terms of women and their ability to engage in whole positions of authority and power within a society. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, let's just consider the value of women when, you know, first Timothy was written, right. Which is where a lot of these arguments come from. Like at that time, they didn't even really want women like counting change in men's hands because of contact. You know, they were afraid of it or that it should never happen. Like that, and and they were, it was, you know, viewed almost more of, you know, possession. And and so, like, we clearly are not in that place. Well, you said first, a, first Timothy, so that was 2,000 years ago. Right. Until 1848, married women did not own property, mm-hmm. could not own property. Right. It, was, it wasn't until 120. 70 years ago, roughly, that married women could actually own property. How about this? Just to show how how much closer it is in the rearview mirror. When I worked in the Virginia General Assembly in 2001 and 2002, it wasn't until 2002 when Virginia passed a law that made it possible for a woman to claim that she had been raped within a marriage. There was a marital rape exemption that essentially said, if you live together, there was no way you could prove that your spouse raped you. The only way you could prove it is if you lived in two different places and you could show you had been physically injured in such a way that you could prove it. Mm. So that that's less than 20 years ago. Right. Right. So my, my point is just that like society has most definitely moved. You went to first Timothy. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back to like the beginning. Like if you're, if you're thinking about Roman, the, the stories that we grew up with, mm-hmm. the, the patriarchs, um, you know, how, how were women, uh, you know, what role did women play in the family, in, in the patriarch's family? Like if you're thinking about Abraham, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about Jacob, what, what comes to mind in terms of the key women in those stories? Um, giving birth to a baby. Okay. And like in the Abraham story, mm-hmm. Sarah was not the first person to give birth to a baby. Right. Right. So yeah, it was, it a, was Sarah's 
It was like her servant, right? Or her handmaid. Her, her handmaid. Yeah, Hagar. yeah, yeah. Hagar. Yeah. I don't know why I can never it's remember okay. that name. Uh, it's a it, solid name, but I just can never think of it. Right. So, you know, Sarah couldn't have children, even mm-hmm. though you know the angels had promised. The angels, right. The visitors came and promised that Abraham would have a kid, mm-hmm. and and Sarah would have a kid, but it wasn't happening because right. they were old. Yeah. And Sarah's super like, old. hey, sleep with my servant, mm-hmm. my handmaid, who's an Egyptian, yeah. my sort of household slave. Yeah. Sleep with her. Abraham says, yeah, sure. Yeah, why <laughs> not? Why not? <laughs> Does that, has a child. Okay, so I, I don't want to, I mean, we could focus in on a bunch of these stories, but a, another story would be Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob, you know, sort of, I guess, two generations later, Jacob has a couple of wives. I guess that's yeah. my point. All right. Yeah. So we have we have two different wives. We have like a conscripting a handmaid into you know sleeping with her master in order to birth a child. Yeah. Then you have these two battling wives, Jacob's wives, that are like, wait, I need even more kids. Here, you sleep with my handmaid. No, you sleep with my handmaid. So then we've got Jacob with four wives. So I guess my point is this. We've got bigamy and polygamy. Those are those are things that we don't... I mean, have you met any bigamists or polygamists? No. It's illegal. Right. It's illegal. Oh, I say I haven't met any. I don't... In, well, I don't, you don't know. I don't not know that I've you met any. Right, right. But, but it, my point is just that, you know, if you... There's sometimes I think we look at the uh, original scriptures... Like I, I, we talked in the Divine Violence podcast about Numbers thirty-one and about how they took, you know, oh, yeah. twenty thousand virgin virgins and you know killed their entire families and turned them into sex slaves. Yeah, essentially, right? Um, or you know, Solomon, sort of the apex of the kingdom of Israel, mm-hmm. had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Right. Which I think, again, I think sex slave is probably a, a better word. They were just women to, to service him sexually, right? And this was at the apex of the king. So my point is when you look at the Old Testament, and there's, uh, if you look in Deuteronomy, the punishments uh, for for rape, for instance, if a a man meets a woman, Deuteronomy 28, 22, 28, 29, if a man meets a woman who's not engaged and he seizes her, seizes her is what it says, um, and sleeps with her, he then has to marry her and pay her father 50 shekels. Yeah. So women did have, their, their virginity at least was valued because shekels. if a man sees them, I mean, and this is the law too. This isn't like, this isn't me pulling from the history books. This is what the Bible says. The, Bi- right. the law of God was, well, all right. He snatched her up, but she wasn't engaged yet. She was only a virgin. So he has to marry her. Oh, and by the way, it says, she must become his wife, and he can never divorce her. Yeah. Okay? And then if she happened to be engaged, by the way, and he did the same thing, then they both get put to death unless she screams loudly enough that it brings people to their attention. Because if she doesn't scream loudly enough for people to come and rescue her, it means, I don't know, she was complicit, she was enjoying it, I don't know, but they both get stoned to death. Mm. Okay, so th- sometimes I think what we don't do when we're asking questions, we run directly to, like I said, the clobber passages of like, here's all the things women can't do. Right. Instead of trying to survey the whole landscape of the scripture, 
and see if when we go back several thousand years, maybe if we're looking at what's going on in the Old Testament and what's maybe even in the law, if we can see any movement from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is there any movement in direction? So I guess I want to ask, can you, I just hit, and I'm sorry for going on for no, so long. You're, no, you're good, man. But in the Old Testament, there's other examples we could give, but if you compare sort of those examples I just went through with examples in the New Testament of, you know, Jesus' interaction with women or other female characters in the New Testament, mm-hmm. do you see any differences or, or, or what do you see? Um, I mean, I think there's a the idea of how Jesus treated women. Um, I, the idea of kind of what I said earlier about how like they, they didn't even like men didn't even want women like counting change in men's hands because of physical contact. Right. Well, Jesus was like, you know, touching to heal. Uh, And, and I know that seems like kind of small. Um, but he clearly just from that was looking in a different or was in a different direction. I mean, and I mean, also, also like, the story of the woman at the well. John oh. chapter four is a perfect example, right? Yeah. I mean, his disciples, they leave him. He stays at the well. They come back and they see him with this Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. And John chapter four, verse 27, it says they were shocked because he was speaking with a woman. Like not only because she was a Samaritan, but because to your point, right. It was a woman. It was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that gets like that part kind of gets glossed over because of the Samaritan part. But I think it's, it's prudent to really consider the fact that she was a woman and she was by herself. And how about going back to the Old Testament passages? She was in, I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before. She was in sort of this classical Hebrew like betrothal situation. I mean, this is what you get in the Old Testament is that there's a woman at a, at a well drawing water, there's a man and they end up getting married. This plays itself out over and over again. Right. It's like kind of a trope in the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's highly charged this story. So I think you're absolutely right, Roman. I don't think we look at stories like that uh, closely enough mm-hmm. or examples like that closely enough. Um, and, and then the idea of, um, uh, Mary putting perfume on Jesus yeah. feet. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that is, um, it's funny. Like I've, I've taught that in some of my youth classes before and they were like, Oh, and a lot, a lot of the times I'll get like something like, Oh, she was like hitting on Jesus and yeah. no. Um, but at the same time, that interaction could have in that time been perceived as something. Oh, it was very intimate, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so I, I see where they're coming from, but I think that that story yet again is like, one it, of like the, if you're at a, 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 a small group and, right. and a woman comes over and is, is wiping, you know, your feet with her hair and her tears, your wife is like, what's going on here? That's actually how I met my wife. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> not true. <laughs> like, no. what, what's this about Roman? You're like, oh, don't worry. It's biblical. No, you're right. Well, we met at church camp, so it's, you know, but, but I, I think that that is a, that, that's such a good example of like, if that would have happened in the old Testament, she's probably dead. 
I mean, and, and it well, sounds crazy. Okay, so we like, got a, and we've got another example of if that would have happened in the Old Testament. What about the woman caught in, caught in adultery? Mm-hmm. Right. So I just exactly. you know I just read you know the, those couple of passages from Deuteronomy, and and it's very clear, mm-hmm. um, right? It, it's if if they're caught, if a woman is engaged and she's caught with another man, now they only bring the woman out. Right. Shocking. No way. Right. So they only bring the woman out and. You have this interaction with Jesus where, you know, the law is very clear and everybody around the teachers of the law, they, they all know what to do. And they look to Jesus because they know, honestly, I, I, you know, thinking about it now, it's almost like they know how harsh it is. Yeah. And they want to see if Jesus is going to follow this law. And I would say, I understand this was Jesus, but going back to my concept of do you see movement? Do you see direction in the scripture? I don't think anything could be more clear than the way Jesus applies this law from the Old Testament Mm -hmm. to this woman in the New Testament who's caught in adultery. Right. And the way he applies it is he says, you know, whichever one of you is without sin, throw the first stone. They all walk away, the youngest first, the oldest at the end. And then she looks up and Jesus says, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. And he says, go, you know. I've always wondered the idea, and, and I know that this is, this is this might mean nothing, but um, the youngest leaving first seems like to me that like, they accepted that way easier. Oh wait, I'm sorry. It was the opposite, right? I flipped it around. Yeah, it's yeah, the opposite, yeah. right? Yeah. Oldest so like first. the the oldest like maybe got soft, and I know that sounds weird, right? But like they accepted it, maybe because of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. And um, experience exactly, and so they're like, oh, maybe I, maybe I kind of get it now, and maybe they that that has. I don't know yet again that I could be really stretching something at this point. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, you know, looking at stories wanting to find something, so it may not be fair, but I think that that's sort of a valid point. The idea of there being wisdom there that like kind of accepts it and leaves first. Yeah. Um, if not, why put that in there? Well, he, he certainly gets them thinking more deeply about the, the law itself and gets them and, and turns them into being self-reflective as opposed to just focusing on her. There, there's another story that includes Mary too. And I think this one, honestly, you want to talk about one that we mention, but we don't really look at it in quite this way. Um, that's in, in Luke chapter 10. And this is when you have uh, Mary and Martha. And this is the, the, you know, the story, the way this story is typically told or taught is that, you know, Martha's running around trying to get everything ready mm-hmm. for the meal. And Mary is not in there helping. She's there with Jesus, right? you know, listening to Jesus. And then, you know, Martha gets kind of torqued off about it and is like, hey, Jesus, right. you know, I, I, I need a little help in here. Yeah. And Jesus uh, says, Mary has chosen what is better. And then, you know, I, I think the takeaway from that story is usually... Look, we can't just be busy doing things. Yes, it was. It's important to to be hospitable and do these things. But you know, Mary has chosen what's better. But we, I think, what we're doing there is we are missing perhaps the most important part of the story. Mm-hmm. And the most important part of the story being when it talks about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. 
with the other disciples, that is a phrase and terminology that is associated with being a disciple. That it would not have been appropriate. It would, it would have blown the minds of the Jewish people at that time right. to have a woman sitting at the feet or being a disciple, a follower of a rabbi, which mm-hmm. the rabbis were all men. Right. That would have been earth shattering, especially when you go back to these older stories in Jewish history mm-hmm. where the women are just, you know, raped and bought for 50 shekels or they, you know, they don't hold own property um, that, you know, oh, take this one and sleep with her. Maybe we can get some more kids that way. It is a completely different context. The movement and direction is profound. And like I said, I mean, unless you've actually heard that story taught in that way, it's probably not something that we usually focus on. Well, all right. And, And I agree with everything that you're saying, but I think that the what what people end up going at that which is would kind of argue I think the, the the way in which we're talking here is well we've we've come a long way from then like we're a, I mean like women sometimes talk in Bible class well well the, okay so let's get I would say let's do this let's get to some of these what what I call the clobber passages right um, let's get to some of these passages in First Corinthians and First Timothy. Um, just so we are, we're all on the same page as to what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So, you know, First Timothy chapter one verse two is Paul writing. Uh, Timothy says, "I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet." Okay. First mm-hmm. Corinthians fourteen thirty four and thirty five. Um, Paul also says, "As in all the churches, the women should keep silent, for they are not permitted to speak." but should be in submission as the law says. Oh, this is, <laughs> here's the icing on the cake. And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Yeah. All right. I, I always find people that use this, these verses, like, this is probably going to hurt some feelings, but like kind of comical. Mainly because I get it. Like, I, I get it. Like, it's so black and white, right? If you you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, wife, you can't talk. Um, like, no. Con- well, you she can just when you get home. Yeah, when we get home. That's fine. Yeah, shh. Not now. Later when we get home. Right. right? Like, if I, zip. If I ever zip, get, zip. I can't even, like, imagine. But what I what I also find that's, I don't know, in, in my opinion, like, kind of comical is that um i don't know like not too far later um that women are not to adorn themselves with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls all right all right okay well, well, let, let's get there we'll get there we'll get there but we have to let's come you know we're being very honest about the women being raped and for 50 shekels and yeah and the bigamy and the polygamy and the concubines and all the sex slavery let's be really honest this is in the New Testament. It is. It comes from the inspired writer Paul, and it seems pretty darn black and white, right? Just to just oh, to underline yeah. what you say. Yeah. So, 
we have to do something with this language. And I think it's, it's probably the most important thing is that we're honest about what we're doing with this language. Now, where I think you were going with going to uh, that, you know, further down place mm -hmm. um, or like one that I picked out, 1 Corinthians 11, 13 through 16, yeah. to, to talks about head coverings. Anyone who prophesies with her, a, a woman who prophesies with her head uncovered, it's a disgrace. She might as well shave her head. Yeah. And... And you, you had, you know, the scriptures on adornment. So we, with, with other scriptures, mm -hmm. with, with other scriptures that they're written by Paul in the new Testament, um, clearly we sort of read these away. Right. Exactly. Is that how you would? Yeah. It's, it's convenience. I think, I think or it's, it's, oh, or it's custom. Is right. That, that's what you say. Oh, well, this is part of the custom. This was yeah. custom. Our custom has changed. Yeah. Women well, don't need to cover their heads anymore. Yeah. That'd be weird if yeah. we did that outside of church. Right. But, but now going, I guess, back to the clobber passages that are black and white. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what you were pointed out is that we don't really follow these passages. No, we don't. When I say we, all right, now we, now we've got to do some definitions. So let's just talk about the, you know, I had listed, um, I had listed the churches earlier that are, are sort of the churches that do not allow women to be ordained or in positions of authority. So I'm talking generally about, uh, those churches. And I want to focus in on, on, I guess, you know, conservative evangelical churches, right? Yeah. So even in those churches, right. We don't have rules that like once women walk in the church, they can't speak right. for the most part. Now there may, may be some, I mean, there, there, there may be some churches that do that, yeah. but for the most part, no. Um, we don't have rules that say, I don't know, if, if you're married, you can't ask a question in a class. Right. You have to ask your husband at home. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're ignoring that too. Um, yeah. But when we have this passage in 1 Timothy 1, chapter 2 that says, I don't permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. We do certainly have churches where women are not permitted to teach or at least not permitted to teach men. And then some churches take this sort of to some conclusion where women would not be able to teach even boys, if the boys reach some age or, you know, were, were, had been baptized or re reached some other level where they're no longer boys, but I guess considered men. Right. And that's, that's always been like, because I'm a, I'm a youth and family minister that has always been such a interesting topic for me because it's like, okay, even if let's just take a moment and say that we're taking it 100% black and white, right? Which we don't, but go ahead. We don't, we do not, but let's just say that we are okay. right. So no, no teaching men. All right. That's where we're at right now. We're going to try to be as basic as possible. Um, let's say that you and, um, Brad. All right. So I'm just going to use you as an example. Sure. You and your wife have teenage boys, Right. Um, let's say that one of your teenage boys is baptized. Does that mean that your wife no longer has any authority over your teenage son? Right. Of course not. Yeah, absolutely not. So she can she can no longer really tell him 
what to do. But your point is you could create a church environment where once you walk into a church, she loses that authority. Is that, that's what you're right. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, so is it, or at least loses that authority over other teenage boys or so, yeah. Is it, is it like when, when does that come into place? When does that, if, if that is, if that's the thought process, the thought is, okay, a woman cannot, is not permitted to teach a man. When, when is that the rule? Because I don't know. I think of, you know, I, I, I was in the military at one point. I had people that were ranked higher than me that I had to listen to. My commanding officer was a woman. So if I took that for black and white and she told me to do something, I would say, no, sorry, I don't have to listen to you because of the Bible. You know what that, I would, I wouldn't know, I would know, I would have, I would have been kicked out, right? Right. Um, or I've been court-martialed and then I would have, you know, gone to army jail, which would have been awful. Right. And so I, the thing that I, that I think I struggle with the most and, and I don't, I don't necessarily know that we need to cover it right now at this point, but at some point I, I, I want to talk about when, like where, where does it, when does it start? Where does it start? When does it end? Where does it end? Is it 24 seven? Is it all the time? Is and, and and I don't know if that that comes into play with like what your definition of worship is, and I know that that could be seven hundred podcast episodes in of well, itself. I but. think I think we all know Roman that God only pays attention after there's an opening prayer. Well, Amen, absolutely. And then once there's a closing prayer, God goes to play golf, right? Yeah, or he like, watches Sunday football. Right. It's it's all over. No, I mean you're you're raising good points. Um, you're raising good points in in terms of sort of, I mean, what I see as the, the efforts to sort of manage some of these, right. Some of these rules, like how they work, I guess what I'm trying to do is maybe fly at a level a bit higher, maybe at like 10,000 feet where, where they're, I, I'm trying to identify this direction of scripture. Now I mentioned before that, you know, I, I gave a bunch of old Testament examples. I gave, you know, we, we looked at some new Testament examples, particularly like with Mary, but here's the, here's my favorite thing about scripture. You want to know, you want to know what my favorite thing about scripture is? We are what 14 episode, 15 episodes in. Mm -hmm. Here's my favorite thing about the scripture is that even in these backward sort of re, uh, just crazy ancient Near Eastern uh, scriptures in the Old Testament that some of the stuff you read and you just cringe. There are these hints. There are always these hints of the of the larger direction of where things are headed, right mm -hmm. throughout the scripture. And I think that's absolutely true with with women. You have in Exodus fifteen, you have Miriam, Moses's sister, being a prophet. Yeah. Right. Be, the, the, uh, she, along with these other women, are, uh, you know, singing after 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 the exodus. Um, you have Job's daughters after Job is restored. You have Job's three daughters, the most beautiful daughters in the land. They were given inheritances mm -hmm. equal to their brothers. Notice that these are just like little hints of sort of like uh of, of divine direction of where things are heading. You have Ruth, right? Who's not a Jew, by the way. You have Rahab, who's a prostitute, both of whom are in the lineage of Jesus. You have Bathsheba, who was, you know, under the laws that I just read in Deuteronomy, probably should have been stoned along with David. Right. 
But she, again, in the line of Jesus. You have the queen of Sheba who comes to Solomon, who's like a prophet, who calls out, you know, God has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. You have Queen Esther. You have Deborah the judge. You have Mary the mother of Jesus, right? In Luke 8, you have Mary, Joanna, Susanna, and all these other women who are financially funding Jesus' ministry. So throughout scripture, there's like a line of these women that are doing things that are completely outside of the fabric of what is normal in society. And it's always pushing in a direction. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the direction it's pushing toward, even Paul, I think the direction that it's pushing toward is equality. Yeah. Like, so Paul also says in, 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 you know, there's these, there's these passages in Timothy and in first Corinthians, but Paul also says Galatians three 26, this is probably, you know, one of the places where you wanted to go in Christ Jesus. You were all children of God, sons and daughters of God. There is neither Jew nor Gentile slave nor free, Mm -hmm. nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, let let me pose this to you. The slave nor free. Now, in Paul's time, there were slaves, right? Yeah. Slave and free was... A, a real distinction. Mm-hmm. But in our time, after the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, we don't have slavery, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. How do you think that somebody, that a Christian, what would a pro-slavery Christian have said before the Emancipation Proclamation <laughs> And before the Civil War, about that uh, verse in Galatians. I mean, does that make sense? No, right? No, it does. What I, would they have said if you? Let's assume I'm, I'm not saying you're pro-slavery, but if you were, if yeah. you own slaves, right, and it was all part of your livelihood, mm-hmm. it was part of how you grew up and everything. If you'd have read this verse, and it said, you know, in Christ there's no slave or free, but yet you've got slaves and you're free. Mm-hmm. Wh- how would you have interpreted this? would have been difficult. I think I would have had to really stretch it and try to make something that's really not there. I would have been like, well, I don't, they're, they're not even like people, they're possessions. Well, I, I, don't, or... I don't see. I don't think so. I don't think so. Here's how I would have done it. Maybe I'm just too devious. I would have said, Oh, this verse is about eternity, right? This verse ain't about now. Yeah. This verse says in Christ. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, when we get to heaven, I'll be free and they'll be free and we'll both, we'll both be in Christ. Mm -hmm. But here on earth, the reality is, you know, my stuff isn't getting, you know, my, my, my plantation isn't working without these people. Right. So you, you push it to the future. Mm -hmm. You put, you, you, you say, Oh, okay. All right. There's neither slave nor free. Uh, But, but, but the reality is now where we are now Mm -hmm. is there is a distinction between slave and free. And that's just, that's just us. That's our society. That's our culture. Right. Here's my point is that I think that's exactly what we do with the last part of that verse. We say where it says there is neither male nor female, which, which 
which says where, where Paul's saying there's in Christ there's total equality, mm-hmm. we say, oh well, yeah, yeah, but they're talking about in heaven it's that it's that way. Mm-hmm. That that's the way God sees people. But on the earth, the reality is that that's not our culture. That's not our society. Right. You know, I I don't disagree with what you're saying, like at all, actually, and not not actually like I'm surprised, um, but I I find it interesting that like. It's just like that's that stuff that's not said regularly, or maybe it's not said by the people that I have been with. Even I mean, growing up, I mean, I grew up in the church, right? I mean, I'm I'm 30 now, so I, I feel like maybe a little bit of experience, not a whole lot, but a little. Man, bit. you're like two weeks into 30, right? Calm but, down. <laughs> but come on, man, it's the first time I got to use it. Um, I'm 30 now, so uh, I'm 30. But that that idea is, I mean, it's not something that, in in my case anyway, that is like consistently used. It's it's, if anything, I hear more from you know church people the argument of like, well, men and women are different, and God created oh, yeah. them differently. Sure, and He did, and sure, and I don't necessarily disagree now, with there that are either. Biological differences, correct? For sure, obviously, but in the army. Right. Right. In the, in the military, you just pointed out, like, if people are going to say, oh, well, it's this way because of society, but in heaven will be equal. We'll look at society. Mm-hmm. We have a female vice president now. We do. As of a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. you had a, a female was not a drill sergeant, but a, a commanding officer. commanding officer. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, one of I mentioned this in a Bible class a couple of years ago. In a school that my kids were in, they had a, a, a female uh, teacher, and she said to a group of uh, fourth or fifth graders, boys and girls, she told them her view that based on scripture, she did not think that a woman should ever be president of the United States. Yeah. She felt like it was against God's design. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, you know, people can have opinions, but what I thought was... Well, I would just say the most disturbing thing to me was for the boys and girls in that class. Yeah. Yeah. For them to hear that, for them to hear that, for them to, at, at such a formative age, to be taught that God's design is not for women to be in positions of leadership and that that, you know, impacts the secular world as well as the sectarian world as well as the religious world right well you know you know what's funny is i you know kind of in in prep for this episode um i you know was i like i like statistics i like i like that i I like looking at like how you know big you know groups of people feel about certain things and so um uh, there's a company that does a lot of like church research and What's so interesting, and what I thought, when something that really kind of caught me off guard, um, and, and this this is not necessarily like right on topic, right exactly with what we're talking about, but um, you know, I am, you know, the the idea of equality and and scripture pushing towards equality, and you know, we see that, and I think society is clearly all obviously pushing towards equality, and and way ahead of the church, way some some segments of the church, right? Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, but what is so interesting is that, and I, like I said, I was really caught off guard. Was that given the choice 
women would not want a woman minister or a woman speaker on a regular basis. Like, like overwhelmingly, like, like 78, 79% or something like that. I was like, that kind of blew my mind. And, 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 and maybe I don't, I don't necessarily know why, but that idea is, I think when I think of like, you know, pushing towards equality, I think of, you know, you know, women really trying to push for that and really trying to, you know, give, give themselves and others, you know, other women like that, that, that opportunity. But that's also seemingly not there according to that research. Well, here, I've got a perfect, perfect example for you. If you ever do any research into um, looking at the case Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, which was this U.S. Supreme Court case that found that segregation was unconstitutional. Yeah. They were looking at schools, and the primary study that they looked at, um, I believe Thurgood Marshall was the, was the lead attorney in that case, the primary evidence that he presented that came up through the courts and to the Supreme Court was a study of African-American girls. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they took a large number of African-American girls and they had psychologists and they met with them and they gave them the choice as to whether they wanted to play with a doll that had dark colored skin mm-hmm. that was you know, aligned with her color skin or a white doll. And by margins even higher than the 78% that you're talking about, they chose white doll right and what they were showing and demonstrating through the psychologists and through this evidence is that when over a long period of time you elevate a certain culture a certain gender Mm -hmm. to a position where this is who has authority this is who has power this is what is beautiful this is what is good and then you do you don't do that or there are disfavored groups this is who doesn't have authority this is who isn't smart this is who isn't educated this who this is who doesn't have authority or capability it seeps in at this cellular cellular level yeah and people it, it's the same reason why a, a woman might prefer a male doctor Mm-hmm. More, more so in the past, more so in the 50s and 60s and 70s, that, well, there, there just weren't female doctors, right? Now there are. I think you see those things changing. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why you don't see it changing maybe as much in church is because you still have that laundry list of churches, yeah. in, including some of the biggest churches in the world, like the Roman Catholic Church and, and conservative evangelical churches, that don't allow for women in positions of authority. So if you've never seen it and you've never been exposed to it, how do you really clamor for it? Yeah. No, absolutely. And 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 you know, we're wrapping this one up because we're doing a part two. Because I think that this deserves a part two. I think this deserves Oh, we have so more much discussion. more to say. I think what we'll have to, you know, maybe kind of bring some thoughts together on a couple on a number of different threads that we've pulled. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a ton to say in terms of application of like, yeah. what does all this mean? Cause I realize what we've done is we've sort of just stuck a, uh, a sharp stick into a hornet's nest yeah. repetitively. Yeah. And we need to go somewhere with this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I do think that when when we're in a situation, we being men, right, and being white men at that, right? Um, I am white. Being in 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 a um, what I'm saying is being in a, a favored sort of privileged circumstance where we can speak. I mean, we can speak not only in church. There's nobody's going to come up and tell us we can't speak because of our right. gender. Yeah. But because we can speak, I believe it's incumbent upon us to speak for people who are not permitted to speak. So that's what I think there needs to be a part two, because mm-hmm. we need to do some more speaking on behalf of the people who are not able to speak. And let's try to understand why that is and maybe understand if that is consistent with the overall motion and direction of the scripture. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we look towards next week, we're really going to get into the idea of application, how to not just talk about it. Like we did this episode and, and kind of bring up all of the things that are seemingly inconsistent or, or where we think or where scripture is kind of showing us that, that we probably should be heading in that direction, right? We, we actually want to do something, you know, that's in that direction. So, um, you know, as, as, as we consider next week, I'm excited about it. I, I, I enjoyed the conversation that we had today because I think that it was, it, it allowed for, um, you know, it just, it just to all be out in the open. We're like, okay, this, this is, this is the issue. These are things that, that, you know, um, can be difficult to talk about, but now they're out there. Now, next episode, we get to say, okay, maybe, we can start to rectify some of these some of these issues. We can start to make things a little bit better. Let me, if I could, Roman, as we as we land the plane here, let me plant one seed for next week for folks to be thinking about. You know, I, as you've heard me come back to this theme over and over again, this theme of the motion of Scripture, the direction of Scripture, the trajectory of Scripture. I want you to consider. Um, you, you, you too, Roman, all of us, <laughs> I all want right. myself to consider, let's think about whether, is it all about just the direction of the scripture and then wherever scripture ended, it was like, was there the sound? You remember those Star Trek doors that were like, oh yeah. And they yeah. would open and shut so fast. Look like they cut your nose off. Right. Yeah. Like is in terms of a direction, if scripture is charting out a direction, if you see women uh, being granted, being acknowledged with more and more personhood, more and more equality, more and more worth, more and more authority, in, in greater positions, if you see that direction, you see that direction, do you then end, do you then end the scripture and there's the Star Trek door that goes and it stops? I want to think about whether it stops or whether we are being called and led by the Spirit to keep it moving. Let's let's think about that for next time. No, that sounds great. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Really hope that you can join us next week for continuing um, part two of this idea of um, you know women and and uh, their role as far as this whole Christian thing goes. And so, equality. And equality, one hundred percent. We hope you guys have a blessed day. 